Man, we gotta start using Apple Cash. Okay, why? It's so easy and convenient. Apple Cash lives in messages. All right. So I can pay you in the convos we're already having. Not forget a payment or have money sitting somewhere just collecting dust. Oh, that is nice. And then you can use that cash right away and buy stuff like at a store with Apple Pay. I don't have to do all that bank transfer stuff. Nope. It's just right there. Easy, convenient, and secure. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? See how easy that was? Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. This podcast is brought to you by Kim Crawford Wines. Kim Crawford invites you to savor amazing with a chilled glass of New Zealand's finest. Named in the Wine Spectator Top 100 list four times. Every sip of Kim Crawford Sauvignon Blanc is filled with tropical fruit flavors like passion fruit and citrus to help you experience golden hour how you see fit. Visit KimCrawfordWines.com to learn more and find Kim Crawford Wine near you. Savor amazing. For those 21 and over, please savor responsibly. Constellation Imports, Rutherford, California. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stefan Never Told You, production of iHeartRadio. And today we are so thrilled, uh, and me in particular, for reasons that will become clear, <laughs> to be joined by the wonderful, the excellent Bridget Todd. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Bridget. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited that you're down for the topic I want to discuss. This is the highlight of my week. I can't wait. Oh, oh, I can't wait either. I literally, I stayed up really late watching horror movies last night, and I got this email kind of late. And I saw the topic and I was like, oh, yes. (laughs) Yeah. This is the one. Yeah. Can I go ahead and say in this whole thing, I was like, oh, I know what's about to happen and everybody's going to geek out and I'm going to be here going, I don't know what just happened. Uh, But (laughs) just our conversation, we had to stop the middle of our, hey, how are you doing conversation? Because we started jumping into it. And mm-hmm. the excitement was overflowing. Like, no, we got to stop because we need to have this on mic <laughs> slash I'm just going to sit here and stare at y'all. Yes. Well, <laughs> you know about pantsuits, which I'm hoping I will come I do know up. about pantsuits. That's one thing. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. An aficionado. Oh, well. <laughs> well. Before we get into the topic that uh, at least two of us are very excited to talk about, Bridget, I just want to check in. How are you? How are things going in your world? Oh, uh, what a question. Mm, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's been a lot. I mean, that's kind of one of the reasons why I, I wanted to discuss something that was a little bit more light. I, as listeners probably know, there's a lot happening in the world. Uh, I feel since the Supreme Court abortion decision leak to the horrible shootings in Buffalo and in California that were pretty clearly racially targeted. I think there's a lot heavy going on right now. And I just, yeah, sometimes I, sometimes my way of, and, and they, those things really dovetail with my work. And so in my day-to-day and my nine-to-five, they're just things that consume me. And I kind of go through weird phases where sometimes my response to it is to lean right in. I'm like, oh, I am going to, read every article, go to every mobilization, every rally. I am in, and that makes me feel like I'm having an impact. But sometimes it's like, I need to lean way out. I need to limit what I'm reading. And so I feel like it's a pendulum. And the pendulum this past weekend was very much like, I went to the DC, um, you know, uh, bands off our bodies mobilizations. Uh, And so I was like really checked in. And then when Sunday rolled around, I was like, time to check out and think about (laughs) X-Files. Right. Yes. (laughs) Right. Who doesn't do that? Oh, me. (laughs) Yeah. How has it been for you two? Uh, I would say the same. It's, you know, we try very hard. We're very big proponents of self-care 
on the show. And it's something that can be extremely difficult to convince yourself to do. Um, and I think it does just feel like a lot of weight. Uh, a lot of weight. Uh, but uh, similarly, I also am somebody... I have all these kind of fiction escapes, which is one reason I'm very excited to talk about this, that I use that help me deal with things, uh, including trauma, um, that I've talked about on the show before. So uh, that's something I've become more mindful of as I've, A, gone to therapy, um, but also during the pandemic. Because during the pandemic, I lived by myself. So there was a lot of like, why are you doing this? Why are you engaging in this? perhaps unhealthy behavior, or maybe it's a healthy behavior, but you're like leaning on it too much. So I feel like for me, these past couple of weeks, I've definitely felt uh, a struggle to maintain that self-care, not feel guilty about the self-care, but also like be responsibly checked in and not like totally checked out, if that makes sense. Totally. That makes a lot of sense. I I know that like, um, I have a friend, Sabrina, who has, she's a human rights advocate and she has worked in a lot of like war zones. So so places where like s- stuff is getting bad, you know, and it's dangerous. And she says that one of the things that she has to really balance is not checking every news update, but just trusting that the updates that you need to get, you will get. And so it can be really tempting to just like read everything, consume everything, but maintaining that like healthily checked in but not over-consuming media or bad news or information, you know, just just trusting that, like, if the information that you need to get will will find its way to you. Yeah. Can we tell the uh, political uh, candidates right now this? Can we say, hey, can you not doom (laughs) shout at us about every little moment? Because that's not helping. Like, at this point, (laughs) you're just hurting yourself. Uh, Because I feel like I've gotten so many emails and texts, like, it's too late. We failed. We failed. I'm like, oh, my God, for the love of Jesus, I've only got a certain amount of money right now, okay? Yes. I could talk about this at length. This is, like, my bread and butter as a, you know, political organizer. That's doesn't work. Right. People, you can't you can't motivate people through doom and gloom and through fear and through these nonstop political fundraising emails that read like we have your kids and unless you send us $50 <laughs> you will not see like that doesn't motivate people. What motivates people is is hope. What motivates people yeah. is you know feeling like like they can actually make a difference. What motivates people is is a shared vision and a, and a collective community. Not doom and gloom every right. damn time you open your computer. Right. I mean, I literally got one that says, we begged you, we begged you, we we asked and you just did, you just ignored us. And I was like, what is It's all happening? your fault, Samantha. I know. I was like, <laughs> you this specifically. Is, this makes me want to yell at you and be like, stop emailing me. I'm never giving you any money ever again. Like, because you're, you're haunting me because I gave you to you before. This is not helpful. But yeah, can we just like let them know this is not working? Uh, we need to see action. But I think I'm yeah on the same lines of trying to find the balance of uh, making sure we're not making other people's loads too heavy by not taking on our own part. Um, there's a lot of shootings that's happening, and I, I know I think it's just that like it's always happening, and that some things just catch attention. Um, but the way that it's racially motivated and it's spread throughout the country is so gross and so ugly. Um, talking like before uh, we, the Buffalo shooting in itself, it's like, wow, what is happening? And, and then instead of finding resolutions, just pointing fingers it's, and, and then ignoring the fact that the victims exist and we need to talk about what the lives they led and celebrate that and talk about why this is a tragedy and it is so many people's faults. <laughs> And why that needs to be a conversation. Same thing that happened in the Texas shooting, the California shooting. There's so many things. It's kind of like, wow, when does it stop? At the same time, yeah, not being so overwhelmed and inundated that it immobilizes us and makes us freeze uh, to finding that we have no action because we don't know what else to do. And that overwhelming dooming level but trying to find that balance. That's been kind of trying me trying to figure that out. Living my life and not feeling selfish for living my life, but also recognizing that we still have a part to play. Like it's such a fine line to find. Oh, that's, I mean, I'm, I'm grateful that you all are, are having these conversations. And I think your listeners probably appreciate it too. I, I think like it really is about finding balance because 
it doesn't help anybody if, if we check out and we're just like, yep, I guess it's all crap and there's nothing I can do. Guess I'll just right. lay here and die. And, <laughs> right. But it also doesn't help anybody. I, I guess I guess it's about knowing when you need to, to check out and how to check back in. Right. And, you know, no, you know nobody can stay, it, like staying super, super checked in all the time is a recipe for burnout. And so we we have a lot of real issues and we can't afford to have people who are interested and motivated to be burnt right. out. And, right. and so, yeah, it's, it's I, I'm grateful for you all modeling that for your listeners, because I think it's really important. And I think it takes like intentional, consistent work to make sure that we're showing up as our best selves and giving uh, giving ourselves what we need without guilt to continue to do that long term. Right. Yeah, I agree. And I think we don't hear that enough. So, uh, well. <laughs> yeah, and as in fact, like, I think this is the point in what, what we're coming into. And, and I love it. And this is why I'm like, even though I don't know what's happening in this world, and I know it's about to go into amazing world of 1993, 1990s, that I, I was just trying to figure out my English. Um, that I love seeing other people enjoy things. And that's the other part to that is it's nice to see people actually finding joy. And that's been a conversation that we've had on our podcast recently, because yes, it's a gross, gross things. But the way that we are able to revitalize ourselves is to remember what brings us joy and to dig into it. So let's dig into your joys. Yes. Yes. I what a love, what a like beautiful setup for a joyful conversation. I yes. love that. Yes, 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 yes. All right. I am like ready to burst, Bridget. Uh, why don't you tell? I feel like we're building suspense. Why don't you uh, start the, the episode, the conversation that I'm so eager to have? Yes. So I, on my podcast, There Are No Girls on the Internet, recently spoke to Madeline Donono. She's the CEO of the Gina Davis Institute, um, which if you don't know what that is, it's a leading research nonprofit working within the entertainment and media industry to achieve gender equity in media and entertainment. And it was started by Gina Davis, Yes, that yes. iconic Gina Davis. Shout out to a league <laughs> of their own. We love Gina Davis. She's awesome. Um, and it's all about, our conversation was all about new, their new research into what they're calling the Scully effect. And essentially, that is the measurable real-world impact that Dana Scully from the X-Files had in terms of inspiring a generation of women and girls to see themselves reflected in STEM fields, so the sciences, technologies, engineering, and math, and go into those fields professionally. And so I, Annie and I are both X-Files fans, huge fans of Dana Scully. Yes. Um, but, you know, I think it's so interesting because the Scully effect is something that anecdotally, you know, we you probably would imagine, like, yeah, I'm sure Dana Scully did have an impact on people. But before the Davis Institute did this research, we only had this, like, anecdotal understanding of it. Now, because of their, their research, we have a clear you know, research evidence-based backing for this demonstrable, measurable impact that Dana Scully had. Yes. <laughs> I, I'm like barely restraining from like geeking out so hard right now. Uh, yes. And we did talk about this on our segment, Fictional Women Around the World, briefly. We did a whole thing on Dana Scully and her wonderful pantsuits. Um, but it was really cool to read. Um, you can find just these really personable quotes from people uh, that they included and I just, all of them are resonating with me and they just made me so happy. And I was really fortunate uh, when this show was first coming out. Well, I was unfortunate and fortunate in some ways because I wasn't allowed to watch it. <laughs> I was forbidden from watching it, uh, but I watched it anyway because I was a rebel like that. <laughs> and I just remember watching it and this character... I don't know. There was just something about her that commanded a presence. And I never questioned, like, this is a woman in this field. I was just like, yes, she belongs there. She's good at it. And I was pretty young at that point. And I feel very fortunate that I had that, that I was, like, watching this character. And there was no part of me that's like, a woman can't do that. I was just like, of course she can do it. She's Dana Scully. Look at her. She's amazing. <laughs> yeah, she definitely has that, this, this presence of, of like, of course she's doing this and she's a capable woman who like knows her shit. Um, I, part of it gotta be the pantsuits. I know that Sam <laughs> is a pantsuit aficionado. Perhaps yes. that's like why she is like <laughs> projecting capability. <laughs> yes. 
Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This podcast is brought to you by Kim Crawford Wines. Life is busy. There are so many things on your to-do list with so little time to do them. And you're always thinking about others' needs before thinking of your own. Trust me, we understand. Kim Crawford does too. That's why they're inviting you to experience Golden Hour, your chance to reclaim your time and laugh with your favorite people, play your favorite song on repeat, gaze outside your window and daydream about your wildest dreams, or celebrate your victories. No matter the moment, you can savor it all with a chilled glass of New Zealand's finest. As the number one ranked Sauvignon Blanc in the U.S., Kim Crawford has classic aromas of lifted citrus, tropical fruit, and crushed herbs to help you stay in a golden hour state of mind. Because golden hour is more than just time, it's whenever you want to savor amazing. Visit KimCrawfordWines.com to learn more. That's KimCrawfordWines.com to find Kim Crawford Wine near you. Savor amazing. For those 21 and over, please savor responsibly. Constellation Imports, Rutherford, California. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. You probably, this is no shock to you, I'm sure, Bridget, there's like blogs dedicated to her fashion. And there's a whole like evolution of her fashion. And, and there was a, a many discussions that I enjoyed reading about, like she felt like she had to wear the pantsuit to fit into this man's world, but then they became more tailored and more feminine and all this like dissection of her fashion, <laughs> which I loved. I loved. I mean, the power suit is huge. Uh, and what was it, three years ago when a majority of women came on award shows wearing a power suit, a pantsuit, a, an amazing phenomenon in that most of the times they come with these elegant gowns and gorgeous, uh, you know, tailored gowns. But they're like, no, we're going to make it sexy in this way. And then at one point, like in the queer community, they're like, yes, we're here for this. We're here for this person wearing this and doing masculine, but feminine, but feminine, but masculine, but non-binary. We need all of it. And it does. It says oh something gosh. about the power of it. You're speaking my language. Like, <laughs> I love an, and I think they're they're really on trend right now. I love right. an oversized three piece suit, like oversized men's style trousers with like a vest and a blazer. Ooh, love it. I have one that I got from Wild Fang that I, yeah. when I wear it whenever I'm trying to feel like powerful, that's yep. what I wear. I'm here for it. And as you said, I think that we're in this moment. I mean, I, this is just my little theory. I think that COVID, when we were all on lockdown, really made us question who we dress for and what we dress for. And so they have done studies where like a lot of people came out as non-binary or realized they were non-binary or realized, you know, that they maybe this didn't necessarily identify strongly with gender and they didn't want to present in that way. And that perhaps they had been presenting in that way because they had to go to an office every day or because they had to like go out every day. And I think that COVID really shifted something in us fashion-wise where People are just like, I am going to dress like the cool teen I always wanted to dress like back in 1999. And I don't really care what anybody thinks. Like, I love this trend where people are just dressing for themselves and I'm here for it. Like some of these, some of these like fashion girlies on TikTok, it'll be like, you got the jeans over the dress, over the sweater, over the hat, over the clogs, like <laughs> keep piling it up. I love it. Like, right. like I'm here for it. <laughs> it's the layering of the 80s, 90s. Keep on. 
Yes, I am here for it. I am definitely here for it. I love I love that too. And I think that's a solid theory. I've, I've definitely noticed within myself where I've become very much like, well, why was I even wearing that before? <laughs> I didn't like it. It wasn't comfortable. Um, so I'm, I'm on board with this theory, Bridget. Uh, but, okay, I would love to hear your experience uh, with X-Files and Dana Scully. Oh my gosh, where do I start? So I... Well, I I was was a, I'm trying to think if I wasn't allowed to watch it. I was technically not allowed to watch a lot of stuff growing up, but like nobody was really checking, so I was able to watch it with no problem. I wouldn't even say I was sneaking to watch it. It was just like nobody was really asking a lot of questions about what I was watching. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So I always was fascinated by, you know, aliens and the paranormal. Like I collected. Book, any kind of any kind of like book series that was about aliens or the paranormal or like horror, I loved. And so I was super excited when the X Files came out. Like I, I watched it from the beginning, and because I, I I didn't know kind of like what it was, but I knew it was about aliens. And I used to wear this enamel ring with a a UFO on it. Like that was that was like my kind of thing, right? Yes. And so I had been watching from the beginning. I had a huge crush on both Scully and Mulder, which I feel like for a lot of like bisexual folks or queer folks, that's like a common thing of like, yep. I am confused. Like, do I want to be Dana Scully? Do I want to be with her? I don't know. I just really <laughs> love her. Um, I remember uh, there's a, this is so embarrassing. There is a, it's probably still in my parents' house somewhere. There was a TV guide with um, David Duchovny on the cover that I kept because it was like a very like attractive picture of David <laughs> Duchovny. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Like I can see it when I close my eyes. Um, so yeah, I always loved X-Files. I kind of stopped watching it as I got a bit older. So like the Doggett years are a little bit of a blur to me. I recently went back and started watching it as, you know, as an adult. And some of the episodes I feel like really do hold up. They, 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 they're not as, you know, like I remember watching them when I was a kid and being, having my, my, my world blown, my mind blown. They still hold up in some ways, but in other ways are kind of like nostalgia-y. But yeah, I've always been a huge fan. Yeah, I also had a crush on uh, Scully and Mulder. And I was in... So I would have to wake up at 4.30 a.m. on Sundays and watch it at 5 a.m. because it re-ran then. That's right. Yeah, so that's how I got around my parents' rule. And it scared the hell out of me. Like terrified, but I just had to watch it. And this was in the time of like uh, hand phones, like uh, non no cell phones allowed. And I <laughs> would call my best friend, Katie, who also had a crush on both of them. And we would watch it together on the phone. <laughs> oh, I love it. Do you remember doing that? Like, like yes. we used to do that. We would sit on like a, like either one of those bulky ass handheld yep. wireless phones or mm-hmm. a corded, like, we had a corded phone with like a curly cue that was yep. mounted to the wall. And I would awkwardly stand in the space between my kitchen and our living room where the TV was just so I could stay on the phone and watch a television show with my friend. Like, what? <laughs> like the late 90s, we, did, we had to do what we had to do to connect with people, I guess. You hear that, young folks? We had to do what we had to do. <laughs> like, this is like early 90s, too. So, yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh... And uh, just because you know, I have to throw in my fan fiction fact. Uh, X Files was the first big internet fan fiction fandom. Before that, there was Star Trek, but that was in magazines. X Files was one of the first big internet fan fiction fandoms. So I would read uh, X Files fan fiction. Uh, and this was like at the height of fear mongering around fan fiction, where they're like, what are these ladies doing? <laughs> they're writing about sex with men and women aliens. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I believe I believe it that it was like a like big fodder for fan fiction because there's just so much there. It's such a like, you know, it's such a rich universe. And so I definitely per, like mostly connected with the sort of monster of the week episodes, even if you wanted to like write about those or write about the sort of universe that's happening in the within the X Files, the 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 you know. Unfolding story within the show, there's just so much to latch onto. So I totally get why people were like, ooh, I gotta turn this into some fan fiction. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, UST, uh, unresolved sexual tension, as it's called <laughs> in fan fiction. Oh, he's gonna I go down the rabbit hole. 
I know. I know. Oh, I was so excited about all of this. It. Love it. Uh, but yeah, uh, the Scully effects is fascinating because it was, this character was so impactful and for a lot of people and especially young girls, it was the first time we were seeing someone like that. Totally. And so one of the things that comes up in um, the Davis Institute's research is how before Dana Scully, when she first premiered on The X-Files, there were not really a lot of women in STEM characters on primetime television. And honestly, I, I racked my brain thinking about this. And if folks have other examples, I would love to hear them. Like, I'm not claiming that this is 100% accurate, but this is as far as my brain got me. The only two women in STEM that I could think of that were, like, prominent are obviously Uhara from Star Trek, um, Nichelle Nichols, and um, Sandra Bullock's character in the movie Love Potion Number 9. She's a biochemist. Those are the only two examples I could think of. And what's so interesting is nowadays, a woman who is in STEM on television is kind of a genre, like women from CSI or the show Bones or Alias. Like, it's almost kind of a trope now, but I kind of forgot that that wasn't the case really before X-Files and that Dana Scully kind of, not only did she inspire this generation of, of real-world women and girls to go into STEM and see themselves in STEM, but also kind of created that as a, a television lane that is so, so rich now. But it's easy to forget how before, you know, the X-Files coming out in the 90s, that really wasn't the case. Like, I had to rack my brain to think of examples. Yeah, uh, and I think that's a really key point to bring up in this is that I was I was thinking of this too, of like, when I was younger, what were these characters, women in STEM? And so many of them were inspired by Dana Scully. Like she was a trailblazer in this. And I love kind of the flip of their dynamic of her being sort of the skeptical, factual, scientific one. And Mulder being kind of the like, pew, pew, my emotions. This way, I feel like this is right. I don't know. I just really liked it. And again, as a kid, I, I love that I'd never questioned it. I was just like, yep. That's right. There's one. <laughs> Dr. Quinn, medicine woman. I remember her clearly, but she oh! came out around the same time as Scully. I will say that. There's X-Files. But that is one show I remember clearly because I was like, Western doctor, that's a woman. What? Sorry. That was <laughs> oh in my, my head. My grandmother's favorite show. She would watch it. Like, that was my, that was my rest in peace. She's probably in heaven watching Dr. Quinn, medicine woman, <laughs> as we speak. But that was, that was very much her show. That was her And sh- the Cosby I show. I don't that. know when that all came either. Dr. Hustable. And she was a oh, but she guess- was a lawyer. She wasn't a doctor. Never mind. That doesn't count. <laughs> I forgot. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over six million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag-A-Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This podcast is brought to you by Kim Crawford Wines. Life is busy. There are so many things on your to-do list with so little time to do them. And you're always thinking about others' needs before thinking of your own. Trust me, we understand. Kim Crawford does too. That's why they're inviting you to experience Golden Hour, your chance to reclaim your time and laugh with your favorite people, play your favorite song on repeat, gaze outside your window and daydream about your wildest dreams, or celebrate your victories. No matter the moment, you can savor it all with a chilled glass of New Zealand's finest. As the number one ranked Sauvignon Blanc in the U.S., Kim Crawford has classic aromas of lifted citrus, tropical fruit, and crushed herbs to help you stay in a golden hour state of mind. Because golden hour is more than just time, it's whenever you want to savor amazing. Visit KimCrawfordWines.com to learn more. That's KimCrawfordWines.com to find Kim Crawford Wine near you. Savor amazing.
For those 21 and over, please savor responsibly. Constellation Imports, Rutherford, California. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. More broadly, women's professions on television. And television shows were like, they are professionals, so they have the job, and you see what, like, that you see them at work, but then you also see them in their personal life. Like, I think that's why I liked Scully so much, is that you got the idea that she was this full, dynamic, complex person. Like, on the show, you see her grapple with her Catholic faith. On the show, you see her grapple right. with things like infertility. Like, and it's not a caricature of, like, I'm a woman scientist. You know, I don't have any, like, I go home and sit by myself in a dark room and wait for science to arrive. Like, it wasn't (laughs) like that. Nor was it this like, oh, my personal life is my whole thing and my career takes a backseat. It just, I I felt like the show took great care and intention to represent her as like a full person where, yeah, she has a demanding job that you see a lot of, but she's also a person. She's also a woman. She also, you know, has a life of her own that we understand that she brings to her work every day. I just really loved that that sort of loving, nuanced depiction of a full woman, not a caricature. Yeah, and I think there's a really great quote. I think it was from Chris Carter. But essentially, he was saying, like, she's the heart of the show. It is her show. And it's like the I want to believe. It was more about her. Like, because she had the struggle with faith, and then she was working oh, in these she, X-Files, right? She's right? the I in the I want to believe. Yes. Oh, <laughs> yes. The faces that are unfolding right now with the realization and the crossover is phenomenal. I'm just a spectator, and it's phenomenal. I can't believe that that's never occurred to me, but that's actually quite beautiful. Like, her being the nucleus of the whole story and the story really being about her, her coming around and her understanding of her faith and belief. And wow, that, that was, sorry, that blew my mind. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's so great, it's so great. Um, but okay, before we get too off track, uh, one thing that this this study was looking into was like, the as we said, the real world impact of this character. And also, yeah, I mean, the fact that she was pretty rare at the time as a woman in STEM, that was kind of reflective of what is actually happening in our real world. Totally. And so um, this is some information from the Davis Institute study. Um, Women have advanced rapidly in many professional roles since the 70s, but we've remained underrepresented in STEM professions. Women constitute about half of the college-educated workforce in the U.S., but hold less than a quarter of jobs in STEM. Only 10% of graduate degrees earned by women are in STEM fields compared to 24% of graduate degrees earned by men. And so it's important to note before we even get into this that this gap is not explained by gender differences. Studies have identified many causes of the STEM gender gap, including stereotypes, lack of early encouragement from parents and teachers, and gender discrimination in STEM fields. And so this, this I guess before Dana Scully, we really had this attitude um, that you saw reflected in television and movies and media of a scientist being this like white dude in a lab coat who is awkward or maybe a loner or all of that, right? And these are among the factors identified as contributing to the gender gap in STEM. A stereotype frequently rendered in entertainment, that of the lone nerdy scientist in a lab coat, commonly portrayed as a quote, mad scientist or a socially awkward white man. And so this this, this representation or portrayal really reinforces the belief that science is a male pursuit. It is for men and not for women, and it's not not for girls. And so that attitude is held by many children, adolescents, and adults. Children start implicitly pairing men and math as early as age seven, and that is a bias that continues into adulthood. And so you can really see from their, from their um, reporting that this portrayal of men as scientists, it adds to this very real-world gap where women and girls are just like, oh, I guess I'm not, before I would even ever think to be interested in this, I'm already understanding that this is not for me because of this representation. And so, you know, I think a lot of people are like, oh, who cares? It's just movies, it's just TV. Like, 
don't you have bigger things to talk about? But you can really see the real world impact when our media does not represent inclusivity, when it does not allow for everybody to see themselves reflected in these stories. It has real world impact. Yes, it, yeah. And I think I've told this story before, but I'll tell it again because it just makes me so angry now. I, math was my favorite subject when I was a kid and I would ask for extra worksheets. Uh, and then when I was in seventh grade, a teacher told me that I would never get a date if I was continued to be better at my male classmates uh, in math because they would think that that, that would threaten, like looking back, he was saying I was going to threaten their ego essentially. So I gave up math and I didn't go into calculus, uh, which I really was excited to do. And then I went to a technical school and I would sneak into classes like physics, but I wouldn't actually take them, but I would sneak in because I loved them so much, but it felt like it just, I wasn't supposed to be there or something. So it is, it's really these messages and these stereotypes and all these things we're absorbing I mean, that changed the course of my life. I'm not saying my life would have been better or worse either way, but it changed the course of my life. Right. Yeah. And there's no telling what you could have done, as well as the fact that your interest in, in men in general was like, eh, you probably, I to be know, honest, it did not matter. What, that's what bothers me so much now is I'm like, I wasn't even into it. But the threat of it, they were like, the way... Enough. The teacher said it. It was like, yeah. that is a death sentence. If a, if a man won't be interested in you, then right. oh, you're Let's talk life. about early sexualization of people hmm, in schools. Uh, and yeah. That's in yeah. a heteronormative way and probably acceptable, even though. Yeah. But, you know, that's a whole big conversation, too, in general about representation. Like, when it comes to gender, that's something that needs to be done. But when you go into the deeper rabbit hole of intersectionality and the marginalized community and seeing, like, uh, people of color being represented, that's something that's also significant as well because that's one more deterrent to, like, okay, I as a white girl, maybe I can make it. If I'm a pretty white girl, then cross my fingers, I can do whatever I can do, you know, but, but anything beyond that. Like, the representation line is still so far down than what it should be even today. And obviously we're backtracking and that's a whole different conversation uh, in itself. And then for Scully also, she was a person of authority, which in any kind of uh, profession, any kind of uh, assumption is anyone who is feminine should not be an authority figure. And so to have to see that too, has got to be a phenomenal take again with that power suit because that puts mm-hmm. you in that place of authority once again, let's just say. Absolutely. Mm. It's a, my little cousins. Um, they're obsessed with that show, Doc McStuffins, which if you, don't, if you don't have children in your life, you might not know what that is. But it's no, a but... little Black girl who is a doctor. And, Aww. you know, just how important it is for them to see, you know, little Black and brown girls like them mm-hmm. as doctors, as decision makers, as powerful. And, it, you know... You, it, uh, Sam, you mentioned earlier how, like, we're in this moment where that's being threatened. Whenever I hear a full-grown adult who complains about things like, um, oh, what's that new movie where the girl turns into a panda? Oh, <sighs> turning, turning red. Turning red. Turning red. Whenever I hear full-grown <laughs> adults say things like, oh, why do they have to make these shows woke now? Like, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I want to scream so loud and turn into a pile of, uh, like, ash. It makes me so angry because it's like, don't you understand, you dipshit? This is important for kids. It is important for kids to see themselves reflected. Like, I could still tell you, like, it's it was so rare to see Black women on mainstream television when I was growing up. Like, in addition to things like X-Files, I was also just big into movies and TV and stuff just in general. I would watch, like, John Hughes movies or like mm-hmm. teen movies. And if I saw like a black woman in the background, I would like pause it and be like, there's there's a black woman back there. Like right. that it's so pathetic and sad looking back, but like I was so thirsty to see myself represented that I would take whatever little crumbs that I could right. get. And so when full-grown adults in 2022 talk about how, oh, well, back in my day, it just used to be white men on TV. Why do they gotta make it woke? Blah, blah, blah. It makes me so angry because what they're saying is we should go back to a time where people who look like we do should have should be satisfied with the crumbs. And they don't understand how important and how impactful it is to see yourself represented. And they're trying to take that that powerful thing away from a new right. generation. And we and we didn't really have it like that. Like we had to take right. what we could get, right? 
And so what they are saying is, you know, we need to go back to a time when little brown girls and little girls and little black girls need to be satisfied with whatever little scraps they get of seeing themselves reflected. And the majority of it needs to be reflecting my experience, which is already reflected everywhere, every, everywhere you t- every time you turn right. around. Like, it, it, it infuriates me. And also, it's just one of those things where it's like, you're a grown man. Why do you care what movies Pixar is making? Right. Like, why are, you, why are you so upset about this? Right. And I love that he is so upset that he didn't get representation in that. And you're like... But wait, um, there's so many other movies that you have no representation in, but you're okay with because it's not at least a marginalized person that can take credit in being like, hey, look, we're accessible. That's wonderful. We're human. What? Oh, my God. Exactly that. And what's so interesting to me is basically when you pull that argument apart, what they are basically saying is that, so I'm a Black woman, but I was impacted by Dana Scully, even though she's a white woman, right? right. So. I saw my, part of my experience reflected in her, ex, you know, her experience on the X-Files, but not fully, right? And so right. certainly marginalized people have, have had to find reflections of themselves in characters that do not look like them, right? So that's just like part right. of our experience. What they're actually saying is that white, a, a white straight man couldn't, could not do the same, that they're unable to see their own experiences reflected in characters that do not look like them. And so I feel like when you really pull that argument apart, it's incredibly like, like white men should be offended by the implication right. that they're unable to connect with characters who are not white men. Like right. we people of color and women and other marginalized communities have to do it every day just to like enjoy media and connect with media. And so this idea that like, oh, a white guy wouldn't be able to connect with Moana or something like they ought to be offended because marginalized people are asked to do it every day. Right. Kind of comes to the point of um, when people do celebrate it, it becomes, okay, well, we've done it. That's it. That's all you can have. That's the quantity. That's the, that's the limit that we have. We can only have one marginalized person per quarter to make money and take up screen time. End of story. And it kind of feels that way, even with like X-Files being big, but they're like, all right, we got a woman in there, but we also have that dude in here because we got mm-hmm. we got to even this out because it can't be too uh, female-centric. So, uh, but we'll give her this and celebrate it. And it's, it should be celebrated because it did impact it, but it's also, you know, it's limited quantities. <laughs> yeah, I think, I, th- I think that's a, a feeling that really persists in mm-hmm. media and Hollywood that like you can't have more than one. And, and I think it's, I think it's really used to perpetuate like a a scarcity myth that, oh, so like if I'm a Black woman and I'm trying out for something and another Black woman is trying out for something, she has to be my enemy because there's only room for one. And that, right. that line of thinking is so, it's just, it's, there's room for all of us. There's room for all of our stories. And I think it really, it really reinforces this attitude that we should be against each other when in reality, we should be with each other. There's right. room for all of us. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Somebody sent me an article the other day and it was really cute and sweet article, but it was about like a queer reading of this show. And I was reading it and I was like, yeah, I mean, this is great. But it felt like there was a part of me that felt so sad that it was like trying to find these clues that there was this actual queer relationship happening. And I just had this moment of like, oh, (laughs) that made me really sad. Yeah. I think it really is like, we, we have had to be nourished by so little. And so, you know, pausing a screen where two characters share a knowing glance or something and, and having, and like having to be nourished by that when we deserve full stories. We deserve to see queer couples, you know, actually engaging in, in like a, you know, relationship and not having one of them die in the end or something right. like that. Like we, right. we deserve that. Yeah. Oh, I'm telling you, Bridget, every time you go on here, I'm like, let us just have a venting session. <laughs> um, we can return to this at a later date because we have a lot of thoughts for sure. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a job's got a worker for that. 
With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This podcast is brought to you by Kim Crawford Wines. Life is busy. There are so many things on your to-do list with so little time to do them. And you're always thinking about others' needs before thinking of your own. Trust me, we understand. Kim Crawford does too. That's why they're inviting you to experience Golden Hour, your chance to reclaim your time and laugh with your favorite people, play your favorite song on repeat, gaze outside your window and daydream about your wildest dreams, or celebrate your victories. No matter the moment, you can savor it all with a chilled glass of New Zealand's finest. As the number one ranked Sauvignon Blanc in the U.S., Kim Crawford has classic aromas of lifted citrus, tropical fruit, and crushed herbs to help you stay in a golden hour state of mind. Because golden hour is more than just time, it's whenever you want to savor amazing. Visit KimCrawfordWines.com to learn more. That's KimCrawfordWines.com to find Kim Crawford Wine near you. Savor amazing. For those 21 and over, please savor responsibly. Constellation Imports, Rutherford, California. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Yeah, we should go back to Dana Scully and maybe like, what if people don't know what the X-Files is? Okay, so if you don't know what the X-Files are, first of all, what are you doing with your life? No, just kidding. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. I know, I know. Some of us were very sheltered, had one TV. We watched The Nanny a lot. Oh. That came out at the same time. I still love The Nanny. House. That's what we watched, oh. okay? Okay, okay. <laughs> we couldn't watch the scary things. Okay, got it. So in, in case you didn't watch it, um, it, it was a show that first premiered on September 10th, 1993. And Dana Scully is a surgeon working as a special agent for the FBI alongside her partner, Fox Mulder. And together they investigate the X-Files, which are unsolved FBI cases uh, caused by unexplained phenomena. Um, and usually it's something involving aliens or the supernatural, like something kind of scary uh, going on. And so as we said, Mulder is kind of the wild card who is open to the possibility of the paranormal, whereas Scully is sort of played as the, like, logical, efficient, capable one. Um, and, yeah, so, like, that's sort of a breakdown of of what the X-Files were and, like, why nerd weirdos like me and Annie were so <laughs> obsessed with it growing up. Oh, yes. <laughs> and we were not the only ones. And this is part of what led to the Scully effect. That's right. And so, again, like, before this research from the Davis Institute, the Scully effect was just like a like an anecdotal thing that people assumed, but there wasn't really any research to back it. And so their study really is kind of groundbreaking in that it, it really demonstrates the real world impact that that her character had. And so a little bit about how the researchers at the Davis Institute did the study. First, I should say I am no methodologist. So if you want to hear the nitty gritty, you should listen to my episode of There Are No Girls on the Internet with uh, the Davis Institute CEO because she really breaks it down and it's fascinating. But a simplified version that I can explain is that in order to assess the Scully effect, researchers conducted an online survey from February 15th to February 20th, 2018, using an opt-in sample of 2,021 participants. The sample was demographically representative and weighted to be representative of the women in the U.S. population based on age, which is 25 or older, STEM involvement, and viewing of the X-Files. And the researchers on this study basically found significant evidence of the Scully effect when it comes to attitudes towards STEM, working in a STEM field, and viewing Scully as a role model. Um, so yeah, pretty, it's like they found pretty conclusive evidence that she had a material, measurable impact on women and girls seeing themselves in STEM. Yeah, and again, uh, you, can, you can look this up, and there are some really lovely quotes you can find about it. And I loved people women sharing their stories of watching it when they were younger and thinking, like, having those, like, seeds planted of, oh, I could do this, or that's them talking about the importance of watching her with their friends 
and how that impacted them. I love it. I love it. It's it's really great. So like just a little bit of a breakdown. I won't get into like all, the whole thing, but like if folks want to find the study, it's really easy to find if you just Google Scully effect. But um, women who are medium or heavy watchers of the X-Files hold more positive views of STEM than non or light watchers. And several survey questions link this directly to the influence of Scully's character. Uh, Nearly two thirds of women who are familiar with Scully say that she increased their belief in the importance of STEM and a greater percentage of medium and heavy watchers of the X-Files strongly believe that young women should be encouraged to study STEM than non or light viewers of the X-Files. And another thing like they ask participants the question, I would encourage my daughter or granddaughter to enter a STEM field. And more folks who watch the X-Files said yes to that question than folks who didn't watch it or like watched it occasionally. And so, yeah, it seems really clear that there was this like documented impact that she had on women and girls. Ah, I love it so much. I love it so much. (laughs) Yeah. And from what I remember reading about it, uh, Almost everyone, well, almost every quote that I read uh, from people was saying like, this had a, uh, I wouldn't go back and do it differently or it had such a big impact and I'm so grateful for it. Like, uh, I'm glad that I had this representation and that I saw that, which is beautiful that, you know, you saw this character and you were like, oh, you know what? (laughs) That's what I want to do. Yeah, so medium and heavy watchers of X-Files are more likely to strongly agree with the statement, if I could go back and do it again, I would have studied or worked in an industry that is STEM uh, over non or light viewers. And so her her character even creates this vibe for women and girls who did not go into STEM to be like, God, when I watch this show, a part of me wonders, what if I had? And like, I'm, I don't, I guess I consider myself like a woman in STEM. I, I have a technology podcast and I kind of work in tech adjacent fields. But, you know, I often, when I watch the X-Files, I think, like, what would my life have been like if I had followed a, a different trajectory, right? Like, my dad is an engineer, and to say that I grew up in a household where I was encouraged to go into engineering is an understatement because, like, I was sent to, like, engineering summer camp and stuff, but I still battled this internal perception that it wasn't for me. And I'm so glad that this character is impacting people in this way where they can really see themselves, and even if they didn't go into STEM, it gives them that confidence that maybe they could have even if they didn't. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, like, Because that's really powerful too. And something else uh, I believe in the study they asked about people who particularly viewed Scully as a role model, right? That's right. So most of the women in the sample considered Dana Scully to be a role model for women and girls and women who work in the STEM fields are particularly likely to see her this way. Nearly two-thirds of women who work in STEM say that Scully served as their role model. Uh, Among the women who are familiar with Scully's character, 63% say that Scully increased their confidence that they could excel in a male-dominated profession. So, yeah, I mean, like, she is a role model. When they asked the, the participants, like, what words come to mind when you think of her, they gave words like strong, intelligent, smart. And so, again, like, how important it is not just to see a woman in STEM, but a woman in STEM who is like kicking ass and making decisions and really good at her job. Yeah, I mean, I haven't watched the show since uh, a a long time. I watched it too from like beginning to end, but I don't think I've gone back since then. But I remember my perception as a young girl being like she was the more competent one of of Scully and Boulder. Uh, She was kind of like trying to keep him together. (laughs) And uh, I just, it did have a a massive impact on me. And me and my friend, my best friend who I would watch it over the phone with, uh, we were both determined. uh, We had it in our heads that we were going to find the cure for Ebola. And I'm not sure like... (laughs) If we would have had that, if if I wasn't watching this show where I was watching this woman just dominate uh, in the lab. Um, so it did. I just, it is, it is powerful. And again, I just, I love that when I look back on it, I just believed. That I, I wanted to believe and I did because she was, she was just badass. There was no question about it. She just was. And yeah, I loved she, it. first of all, she saved... Mulder's ass all the time on the show. <laughs> yeah. Like he was always getting them into situations and she was always having to clean up his messes and like <laughs> like sa- like save both their asses. So she was definitely like the like the more the more competent 
FBI agent of the duo for sure. And yeah, I think like, I think it's just a, it's just a testament to the power of these stories and why it's so important that we have them. And again, as I was saying, I think it's easy to say, who cares? It's just TV. Like it's not really having an impact. It's just, you know, mindless entertainment, but representation really matters. And I know it's not the only thing that matters, but it is really important because when we can see ourselves reflected, it, cre- it creates a world where the possibilities become that much more real and that much more endless for us. And, you know, I guess I, 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 I know I've said this a couple of times, but I just really do believe that our stories are valuable and that we, or when I say we, I mean women, queer folks, Black folks, trans folks, like all of us, we deserve to see ourselves reflected and we shouldn't have to be satisfied with like, pausing the show to point to someone who looks like (laughs) us or like, you know, even though it can be very fun, like inventing a whole queer relationship. We deserve to have fun recreationally inventing a queer relationship in our fan fiction and also see a queer relationship played out on television. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Oh gosh, so much fan fiction stories I could share, but I won't. Yeah, and I'd love to, I'm glad you brought up the point because I don't think I had uh, really sussed that out or encountered it, but I'm glad that you brought up the point that even for people who didn't go into STEM, it was important in believing that they could or believing that STEM was important. So this effect had bigger, was bigger than even I had realized. (laughs) Yes, that's right. So, you know, uh, beyond attitude, so according to the study, beyond attitudes towards STEM, the scholarly effect is also found in behaviors relating to STEM. Women who regularly watched X-Files are significantly more likely to have considered going into a STEM career, majored in a STEM field in college, and worked in a STEM profession. Among women who are familiar with Scully's character, half of them say that Scully increased their interest in STEM. And so, yeah, it's, it's also about sort of just the attitude that even if you're not somebody who, who is necessarily a STEM person yourself, just that like you could be interested in it, you could try it out, you could take a class if you wanted, you could, you know, do a major, even if you aren't going to go into that as a, as a profession. And I think that that is... That, that is important. Even if it's even, even for people who are not in STEM, that is important. The study found that moderate and heavy viewers place a higher priority on encouraging girls and women to go into STEM than non or light viewers. And nearly two thirds of regular viewers say that Scully increased their belief in the importance of STEM. And so, yeah, like just the, this the idea of, I think it can be a powerful impact, not just to say like, oh, you're going to go into a STEM field, but say like, I can be interested in it. I'm in, I find it important. I, I'm not intimidated by it. Because I think that, you know, when we, I think there are so many ways that women and marginalized people are told that technology is not for us. And that either A, we can't understand it. Or B, even if we can understand it, you don't need to worry about it. Like, let the tech, let the tech suits tell you what's what. And so that idea is so damaging because technology plays such a huge part in all of our lives, from our democracy to how we get our groceries delivered to whether or not we are criminalized and wind up in jail. Technology is at the forefront of all of that. And so if we live in a society that tells marginalized people that you don't even need to be interested in it, let alone like go into into it professionally, that is a problem. And so I think that the impacts are so much bigger than just whether or not you go into STEM or not. Just understanding like, Technology is something that you should be invested in and know about and feel confident to be involved in, I think is really, really important stuff. Right. Yeah, I love that because even though I didn't watch it and I'm not into STEM and any of that, but the, as you had said, as the study said, it kind of built the millennials to be the encouragers for the next generation to be like, we've seen it, we know it can happen, let's encourage you instead of having that you know older generation that's like, yeah, you can't do that. But like actually falling in love with the idea, and even though they may not have done it, they know that it can happen, and so encouraging the next generation to do so. It's the Scully generation. That's what I'm going to call the it. The Scully generation. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even for me, like I, I worked at tech companies, and for the longest time, I was like, oh, I'm not really a tech person. I don't really know. And I realized that that for for marginalized people to just concede that you're not a tech person just allows for technology to happen around you as opposed to it happening with your understanding of it, right? And so I just think that we all, I think the reason why I was so excited to talk about this is that it is important for marginalized people to see ourselves reflected in tech and to feel like 
tech leaders and people who make technology should be accountable to us and that we feel confident asserting it because it, it whether we're tech people or not, technology shows up in our lives and we should be, you know, really ready to, to acknowledge that and to grapple with that and to talk about that and to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm trying to think of like a great X-Files quote to end this on. But uh, <laughs> all I'm remembering is the Killer Bee episode for some reason, because that one disturbed me so much. So I, the one episode I watched was the uh, the Neighborhood episode, and I never went back to watch it again because Annie was like, yeah, it's bad. Because I was like, I was uh, horrified uh, after that. Uh, and she uh, described well, it to yeah. me. I was like, it was that? That's the only episode You've I remember. you watched that one? I'm, I'm like shocked again. <laughs> oh. oh, wow. Yeah. Why, what an entry into X-Files that episode would be. (laughs) Maybe that's why I didn't watch the rest of it. I don't know. It was freaky. That's fair. (laughs) We should have an X-Files watch party. (laughs) We have so many watch parties with you, Bridget. Let's do this. I am in. uh, Well, a good good ending question could be like, Annie, what is your favorite episode? Do you have one? Ooh. I like immediately collapsed in on myself. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that is a good question. I, so most of the ones I remember very clearly were the ones that disturbed me the most. So yeah, I'm thinking of the Killer Bee one. There was that one with like the kid who was a like had electricity in his hands. Oh yeah, that one was messed up. And then the one uh, Samantha's talking about home, which is infamous uh, ooh, about cannibals. I don't know. Now now you've given me a project, and I'm gonna have to go look over. But I did used to write. Uh, I did used to write X Files fan fiction. I knew it. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back and see if I can find it because I then I'll see my favorite episodes because I would always choose like my angstiest favorite episodes um, to write fan fiction about. So, Wait, Bridget, do you oh. have a fan favorite? Oh, well, I'm. you guys are going to think I'm a big weirdo, but it's home. I think it's... Is that one? I think, yeah, I think it has the cadence of like good horror. Like it's like... Yeah. It's okay. If you, if you, if you have not watched X-Files... Do not start with that one because no. it's, a, it's, a, it's an intense one. Yeah. But I just feel like it's a um, the, the pacing and the cadence of the episode. It's like a good horror short story or something. It's just yeah, like it really pitch perfect to me. Oh, yeah. It's great. It's disturbing and terrifying. And I remember it very clearly even though I was quite Obviously, I do too. Of all the things that I've ever watched, that one episode, I still am like horrified by it as well as the fact that I'm like, I will no longer go to anywhere that looks like a suburbs with white people. No, thank you. Oh, yes. That's good advice to avoid, right? (laughs) Don't go poking around in some like creepy suburban house. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Oh, yes. Well, this has been such a delight. Um, So, I I mean, we could continue talking forever and ever, and Samantha would just let us go. But (laughs) I would. I suppose we'll we'll stop here for now, even though I'm very interested in this watch party idea. Bridget, where can the good listeners find you? Well, you can listen to my podcast. I definitely recommend listening to the full episode of There Are No Girls on the Internet with the CEO of the Davis Institute talking all about the Dana Scully effect and the research and how it came to be and all of that. Um, but also just check out the podcast. We'd love to have you there. Um, you can find it on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcast on. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Bridget Marie in DC or on Twitter at Bridget Marie. Yes, and definitely You're do gonna that. You're going to have to start saying award-winning podcast, girl. Oh, I, <laughs> I some, sometimes I say it. I, I, I use it sparingly. <laughs> the Bridget Todd you, effect, then. maybe. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Always such a pleasure to talk to award-winning podcaster Bridget Todd. Yes, <laughs> I'll take it. Yes. And listeners, if you would like to contact us, you can or email stuff at iheartmedia.com. You can find us on Twitter at momstuffpodcast or on Instagram at stuff I never told you. Thanks as always to our super producer, Christina. Also award-winning to us. Absolutely. And probably in real life. For we real. should check with yeah. her. Yeah, well, we should go look at that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and thanks to you for listening. Stuff I Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This podcast is brought to you by Kim Crawford Wines. 
Kim Crawford invites you to savor amazing with a chilled glass of New Zealand's finest. Named in the Wine Spectator Top 100 list four times, every sip of Kim Crawford Sauvignon Blanc is filled with tropical fruit flavors like passion fruit and citrus to help you experience golden hour how you see fit. Visit KimCrawfordWines.com to learn more and find Kim Crawford Wine near you. Savor amazing. For those 21 and over, please savor responsibly. Constellation Imports, Rutherford, California. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. 